I'm very grateful to you for that introduction. Um, I almost feel um, like it's not me that you're talking about. <laughs> so, but I thank you so much for that invitation to be here. And I am so honored that Nick asked me if I would be a part of this event tonight. And I'm also very honored to know that 150 is where we're at. It's a milestone. It's a joyous, joyous milestone. There's so many, so much numerology that goes into that. And I'm also excited to be able to think about kicking off this series that we're talking about on saints. Um, that can be a very, well, mystic kind of topic, of course, but it can also be something that really matters to us in our lives. And I wanna talk about how saints matter in our own reality and how they matter to us and how if there weren't sort of a, a religious idea of what saints are and are supposed to be in a trajectory of what be, how you become a saint, how might we see one another in different ways? That's the arc of our conversation tonight. But in order to start this off, I would like to just give you something that sort of gives you a hint at one of my particular saints, a saint who has spoken to my life, a saint who I read about when I was a younger person and a saint who is represented in a movie as someone who has gone through the ringer in her life. Um, she has been pushed up against the wall in a patriarch patriarchal society. She has been sexualized by so many men um, in her life, but this is the way that it was for her in the 1930s. And the writer who wrote about her did such a beautiful job and not just making her a caricature, caricature, but fleshing her out and having her fall in love with a person and, a, and another woman, not because it was about the sexuality of it, but it was about the communion of the spirits. And this particular song that I want to open up with is her ode to the woman that she fell in love with. Drag me around 
So let me tell you something, sister. Remember your name, no twister. Gonna steal your stuff away, sister. We sure ain't got a whole lot of time. So shake your shimmy, sister. Cause honey, the sugar is feeling fine. And now you may have guessed that my saint is Suge Avery from The Color Purple. Suge Avery, the blues singer from The Color Purple who saved the soul of a woman named Celie. A woman named Celie who was so downtrodden and felt so ugly to the world that the only person she could speak to was God. When you read Alice Walker's novel, every entry into this book is written to God. It's a letter to God because no one wants to listen to her. Everybody thinks she's a baby factory, an ugly baby factory, and that's all she's good for. And then Celie comes in and Celie, in their first meeting, you know that there's something special there simply because she's jealous of her. You know that someone matters to you when you are jealous of them. We don't think about it that way very often, but sometimes in our own lives, when we run into people and we see people, part of why we get jealous of people is because we see something in them that shines and reflects that we wish that we had. And Celie, is this reflection for Suge. Now you may wonder why Suge Avery is my particular saint I wanna talk about tonight and not Seely, and not even Alice Walker who I hold very dear in my heart. But I tell you it's because a saint is not someone who is born a saint. In every single case of sainthood that we think about, Saints are individuals who struggle, who are in pain in their life, and who are in pain with trying to reconcile where the divine is in their own spirit. Saints are those who don't ever want to regard themselves as saints. Mother Teresa never thought of herself as a saint. She thought of herself as someone who deserved to be in the slums helping others because that was what God called her to do. St. Augustine was, was so sexually confused about everything that he was doing and where he came into this entire church. St. Augustine himself became a saint only by working through and struggling with this, this, this burden of, his, of his, his idea of what sexuality and what freedom about sexuality was. And even our beloved last Pope, who just became a saint, more and more details are coming about about how he knew about the Cardinals and the others who were actually molesting young boys. This is not an excuse for any of that kind of behavior, but it is to say that no one is holier than thou, that they cannot be at fault, make mistakes, and learn how to grow. If we don't allow people the opportunity to find the grace and the mercy 
that has been shared with us and poured onto us and that rains down from us, then saints would never exist. Saints would never exist because we would keep them in their box. We would keep them pigeonholed. And so I say that there are many saints that are about us and in our lives. Suge Avery is one of those saints. A saint is someone who can say something to you that resonates in your spirit, that brings you closer to your sense of what divine is. And one of my favorite quotes from Suge Avery that she has in The Color Purple is where she says, I think God gets pissed off when we walk through a field of purple and don't take notice. That brought a sense of being of no matter what I'm going through, no matter what you're going through, we have the ability to stop in the midst of our trials and tribulations and still have a sensibility that there is something worth living for and enjoying and reveling in the beauty of this divine space in which we inhabit. When someone does that to you or says something to you or moves you in a way that touches your spirit, that shifts you, like what I like to call, it gives you a chiropractic soul shift, chiropractic soul adjustment. You stand up a little bit straighter, even if you don't feel like you're, you can move your body because you have scoliosis like I do, you still feel in your spirit as if you are being lifted. That's what saints do. My aunt Dot was a saint the way she held my hands when it was cold and my mittens were all wet because we didn't have money to buy me the weatherproof mittens. I had to wear the knit ones that got soaking wet in the snowball fights. And she said, come here, baby, let me hold your hand. Her loving me that tenderly made me know that I was lovable. Just like Celie knew that she was lovable. My God, when saints walk among us. Today when I was preaching, we talked about the whole idea about you never know if you're giving a glass of water or feeding someone or visiting someone in jail or visiting someone who's sick. You never know if you're entertaining Christ or if you're entertaining angels. Well, put yourself in that spot to know that there are saints that are entertaining us that are boosting us, that are giving us that special visit, that special place in our life, to understand that we are more than any political party. We are more than any political class or economic class. We are more than the clothes that we wear. I will never be a saint because of this. Not at all. I won't be a saint because of a collar that I can take on and off at night. I won't be a collar because I won't be a saint because I can take off this wooden cross and not be represented. If I am ever considered a saint, it will be because I am a human being that has loved, that has loved humanity and loved this world. 
when I taught New Testament at Fordham University, I wanted the young people to understand what it meant to write a gospel, how you hear stories about how somebody changes someone's life. And yeah, we went Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in chronological order, however. But when we were about to have this conversation, I said, well, who is a saint of our time that people are noticing? And I don't know if you've ever heard of Alma, the hugging saint. This woman has hugged, I see you clapping. She has hugged thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And she has changed spirits, minds, and lives because of a hug. And we took the stories of Alma hugging people from around the world. We took six encounters and I put them in groups. And I said, I want you to lift up those things that people are talking about why she is a saint and how she touched their lives. And when they spoke about it at the end of the class, and I said, so now we have six gospels of Alma because it is the good news that changes and moves us. When you sit around the table for 150 meals and you build relationship and you can't wait to see one another and you can't wait to enjoy the feeling of fullness that comes not just from eating the food, but from being in community and being at the banquet table. That is the communion of saints. KC Open Table, you are actually doing what has been talked about in the 20th century church for so long. How do we be the communion of saints, not in the great by and by, but in the here and now? And it all starts around a simple table, the way that our most beloved ancestor told us to sit around a table where everyone is welcome. You do realize that the communion table is the open table. It is the banquet table where Christ is the host and the Holy Spirit brings us up into the presence of Christ with all of our ancestors and all of the other saints that have touched us. So far in this conversation, I have lifted up several of the saints that have touched me in my life, Alice Walker, Celie, Suge Avery. I have lifted up my Aunt Dot, and I could go on and on and on. I can also talk to you about Abraham, the homeless man out front in my building, who the moment he saw me wear a collar walking to my house, he told the drug dealers, leave this man alone because he is blessed. He will pray for you. Even if you're still dealing, he will pray for you on the street. And I have. But in his struggles, he is still a saint. What I would invite you to do is to take the next seven or so minutes and go into a breakout room and think back over your life, over your now. Tell somebody who's a saint to you. We just saw a little one here earlier, our saint. 
share that. I want you to have that experience of being able to define for yourself and speak the name of your saints. And then we'll come back and maybe share a little bit about what that experience was like. Mm, I got goosebumps at so many different points. I know I'm I'm, like snaps. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just floating. I'm like, oh. I know I was at open table, but I didn't know I was coming to church. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And I'm originally from New York City, so I was like, oh, oh my home. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of saints, three actually pop into mind for me. Um, one would be Ed Roberts, um, mm. who is the one of the fathers of the disability rights movement. Yeah. And so for me as a person with a disability that connects well. And then I think a lot about Maya Angelou, mm. the influence on on um, my writing and the things that connect to me. Yeah. And then the last that popped to mind is uh, Mr. Rogers. Ah. Yes. yes. My boy. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I'm in seminary now, and I we had to uh-huh. pick us. We had to pick us two saints. My first was Mr. Rogers. The other was uh, Howard Thurman. But oh yeah, I chose Mr. Rogers because he was very intentional about the ways in which he moves around in the world and his yeah. his shows. And um, as a minister who never really like um, was very overtly uh, religious in his, in the way that he was front facing. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I love the way that you said that. Um, There's a young man who, when I was at Union and getting my PhD, he came to Union and he actually, um, that was his, his master's thesis was to be able to do a disability theology. (laughs) <laughs> and he changed the world and he's going all around the world doing stuff now really high fine-tuning that whole idea got union to get all these great um disability services um for entrances and exits for an historical building which is amazing because you have a building sitting in the middle of new york city that no one thinks about but it's like access is not easy that's right yeah we get to connect with him since that's what I'm working on. Too. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I will, I will do definitely make that happen. Yeah. Definitely make that happen. Yeah. That, it, it really struck me too when you were talking about like the getting the uh, testimonies from um, Alma. Was that their name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and then hearing like the six gospels from these six different stories. Um, yeah, I, I always view, I always think about like stories being a gift and I come Mm -hmm. from a poetry background and sharing open mic poems and how those are usually personal poems. So often people read at those open mics and how it's, it always feels like a gift you're getting to receive, but then on the flip side to consider that like not only a gift, but then also a gospel of that story too, um yeah it was it was a new way for me to think about stories and I loved it it, because the whole all all of the gospels are really just these writers that are trying to convince one particular sect 
of thinking one way and that this is their way of witnessing what Christ did, you know, and that they want you to be along, they want you to come along with their school and their opinion and their way of doing things. So it's like people have different ways of encountering things and it's just as holy as the next. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I really don't know much about the saints, it's, I, I can come from like a non-denominational background. It's kind of mm-hmm. my upbringing and you don't talk much about the saints in that background. And yeah, so yeah. Those, I feel like I will, I'm going to be learning a lot in general, this series, which I'm excited about, but um, I think, and they're the way you've described it uh, has felt very earthy and tangible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I'm still thinking through um who my own, who my saint would be, but there, there are plenty of poets that, oh, I, yeah. that are coming to mind. Um, probably my, one of my favorite poets is um, Anis Moshgani. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say maybe he, he might be a, a, a saint for me in some, in some regards. I had this one young lady in New Testament who did her final exam on this one saint. She did it in, in um, a theater piece and a spoken word theater piece where she was basically um, talking about this incredible saint whose father wanted to marry her off in like the 1500s and he threatened to kill her because she said no I'm not going to marry I'm not going to marry and he threw her in this pit and said you're going to marry this man and when she came up out of the pit or out of the dungeon or whatever she had this full beard <laughs> And she had all these male attributes, so nobody wanted her. And it like wow. happened overnight that, and that was like the miracle of this particular saint was that she became, she prayed to God that she would become unattractive to men so that she could only worship God. And that's what happened. <laughs> no way. Isn't that great? Amazing. I love that so much. I love that what how you like you gotta know god's up there being like well (laughs) joke's on you Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep look what i can do (laughs) (laughs) i love it Mm -hmm. well i'm closing out the breakout rooms they got 50 seconds to come back so people might be trickling back in here slowly okay Oh, I see the faces of saints here on Zoom right now. Oh, I do have uh, uh, someone on Facebook, Marilyn O'Hearn. Hi, Marilyn. Uh, Two saints for me. Father, Father Ed Hayes, writer and founder of, oh, Shati Vanam retreat center mm-hmm. and I apologize if I am doing saying that wrong um and my grandma Amelia who I posted about on Facebook this evening today was her birthday she prayed for our family every day each person by name about 50 people by the time she died at age 95 wow thank you for sharing that Marilyn wow. that's awesome well, I believe that everyone should be back now. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. Let me just get my outline all set. <laughs> I am good to go. 
So I think in order to have a little bit of, um, Maddie, in order to sort of have a little bit of feedback, if anybody wants to say anything in the chat, or if you want to share something from Facebook about what it felt like to actually be empowered enough to name the saints that have touched you. Just for a couple of moments to sort of have that conversation, feel free, um, Maddie, to help us figure that out. Yeah, you should have the ability to unmute yourselves. So if you want to speak out, you can do that um, or feel free to put it in the chat, whichever one feels comfortable for you. Um, yeah, and just reflect just on that how that was. Of minutes. Yeah. And Emily, if anybody's doing anything on Facebook as well, so. I'm thinking about um, the verse in Hebrews that tells us we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So yeah. The saints who are who are departed but not far from us. Um, it helps us to realize that like there are so many cheering us on. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. I found myself uh, getting almost tearful, trying to think of not trying to, but just coming up with so many different people that have acted um, and made a difference. And like, I almost was kind of welling up in this idea of like my own personal saints that are around me. And that was really uh, touching. And then there's just a lot of gratitude and just a lot of um, just, yeah, just, just uh, grateful. And also to like focus on something so lovely has been nice. Yeah, yeah. And Sarah, I see that you also become tearful when you're thinking through your saints as well. Yeah, I was thinking about that this morning in the shower while I was practicing a song that I was going to sing today in church. It was all of a sudden, I'm like, is this water from the showers? <laughs> and the open table connection of the saints. Yes, you are among the saints at all times. The reason why I asked this question about how does it feel in your heart of hearts and in your spirit to be able to have the authority, that's the question, to be able to have the authority to name your saints is because you're going to be involved in a discussion where um, many saints have to be sanctioned by a church entity. They have to be sanctioned by a group. They have to be sanctioned by witnesses in order to earn the classification to become a saint. And I think it's very important to be emboldened to have the authority to name our saints and to name saints as well, because we, every saint that is suggested, even to the Catholic Church, there's just one person that mentions the name out loud first <laughs> that starts it out. So that's the authority that we all have to be able to name our saints and it also helps us to keep in mind that we are able to hold our ancestors dear and ancestor veneration and ancestor worship is not um is not against what we do in our christian un understanding and in our religious understanding and from the places from which we come the communion table as i mentioned before is Ancestor veneration, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. So we are to remember him as our ancestor in that moment of cup and bread. 
the Jewish earlier Testament and the first Testament is all about lifting up all of the entire saints that are assigned to David or that are assigned to coronation. All of those are to remember and to lift up the qualities. And we know that David was a little troublesome, but some of the better qualities of David that allowed him to be chosen by God. But here's the next thing I want us to do. I want us to delve in a little bit deeper in this. Now that we've been able to name our saints, I want us to think about how is their good news holy? How is their good news holy? Part of the way that we remember Christ from Obrey Hendrick's book about talking about the revolutionary Jesus, he says part of the reason why Rome hated Jesus was because Jesus recognized everybody's needs as holy. And he does that when he speaks about the Lord's Prayer, because Caesar is supposed to say, I have your daily bread, but Caesar does not see your need as holy. Christ mentions it, give us this day our daily bread because it is holy. So when we see someone on the street or when we see someone hurting and we recognize their needs as holy, when we testify about them, when we write about them, when we think about them, we are actually turning that angst into the good news of, as my Aunt Dot would saying, how I got over. Because <laughs> my soul looks back and wonders how I got over so many times, but I get over because of the good news of the gospel that pulls me through. And this gospel of our lives and the gospel of the lives of our saints in our lives is very important because it is the words that we can speak that changes somebody. We can quote Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the gospel all we want to. And it may give people an intellectual and spiritual understanding about this sense of good news, but there's something about being able to speak your words and to have it come out of your mouth from your experience. It's part of the reason why with young people on Martin Luther King Day, I had so many people who were always saying, well, we gotta read the I Have a Dream speech. We gotta have somebody read the I Have a Dream speech. Or let's play a clip of King doing the I Have a Dream speech. It is time to turn off the videos. It is time to turn off the television. And it is time to put that speech into the hand of our children so that they have the words coming out of their mouth and know that they have the authority to say the words, I have a dream coming out of their mouth. They can own those words and writing gospels and being of the gospel is the same thing. I was so surprised when I was reading Alice Walker's The Temple of My Familiar. It's a novel, an incredible novel of hers um, that spans from the beginning of creation almost um, all the way up into modern time. But in the middle of this novel, she reintroduces the character of Suge Avery. And she does it in this most powerful way that has stuck with me even today. I've even done chapel and worship services for womanist liberation theology using this as the text. 
the gospel according to Suge Avery. One of the most beautiful gospels. And I've already spoken to you about the hassle that the character of Suge Avery had to live, the pain, the suffering that she went through. And yet Alice Walker puts in her mouth good news and even beatitudes for all of us. For example, helped are those too busy living to respond when they are wrongfully attacked. On their walks, they shall find mysteries so in intriguing as to, do, as to distract them from every blow. <laughs> helped are those who receive only to give. Always in their house will be the circular energy of generosity. And in their hearts, a beginning of a new age on earth where no keys will be needed to unlock the heart and no locks will be needed on any doors. Helped are those who are born from love. Conceived in their father's tenderness and in their mother's orgasm. For they shall be those, numbers of whom will be called illegitimate, whose spirits shall know no boundaries, even between heaven and earth, and whose eyes shall reveal the spark of love that was their own creation. They shall know joy equal to their suffering, and they will lead multitudes into dancing and peace. Help to those who love the stranger, in this they reflect the heart of the creator and that of the mother. Help to those who love the entire cosmos, rather their own tiny little country, city or farm, for to them will be shown the unbroken web of life and the meaning of infinity. Help to those who are enemies of their own racism. They shall live in harmony with citizens of this world and not with those of their ancestors, which has passed away and they shall never see again. Help to those who love others unsplit off from their faults. To them will be given clarity of vision. Just a few more from this example. Helped are those who risk themselves for others' sakes. To them will be given increasing opportunities for ever greater risks. Theirs will be a vision of the world in which no one's gift is despised or lost. Helped are those whose every act is a prayer for peace. On them depends the future of the world. Helped are those who laugh with a pure heart. Theirs will be the company of the jolly righteous. And helped are those who love the lesbian, gay, and the straight as they love the sun, the moon, and the stars, none of their children, nor any of their ancestors, nor any parts of themselves shall be hidden from them. And maybe the most beautiful of all is the last one, in which Suge Avery gives us the good news by telling us, helped are those who know. Helped are those who know. I share this with you because I want you to think back to what we were talking about with Shug Avery and with Sealy 
And everything that I've just read to you, Alice Walker put into words from the experience of the life of Sugar Avery, the lessons learned from the saint that became the gospel of good news, the gospel of the hope of tomorrow that we have in our hands to build and to reshape this world. When we started this whole evening together, Latia reminded us very beautifully of what a tenuous world and situation we are in. People are sick, people are dying. And that one, one thing that is the most divine thing besides salvation and mercy that God has given us is to breathe God's own breath of life into us in creation. That we live in a world where that is so disrespected. You're arrogant enough to see someone wheezing in a bed on a respirator and say, I don't care, my rights are more important than God's breath that he's given to all of us, than God's breath that she has given to all of us. We see people being killed on the streets by authority figures. And the arrogance, the arrogance of saying your divine breath is not important enough for me. I am going to take that divine breath away from you by putting my knee in the back of your neck. We have to figure out how to speak through this pain of what the gospel really is. Helped are those who with their last breath cry out to the earth for mother. For they let the world know that they are not giving up their divine, they're going back to it. Helped are those whose breath seems to leave them because of a pandemic, but who willingly and beautifully see something in that last moment when the endorphins are going to say that my breath is going back home. For they show us the joy of what awaits us in sainthood. Blessed are those who find themselves suffering in these economic times and being oppressed and being hurt and being forced out of their homes. Helped are those when folks actually see that it is nothing but justice to eat, have a roof over your head and have health care. Helped are those who suffer to create a new reality of justice in this world. This is what I mean about extracting, not being Mr. Goody Two-Shoes and saying, oh, we can look at things very positively. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is what will cause us to get up on our feet and to take action 
It can only be when we see the lessons of the good news that the suffering and the oppression is teaching us so that we can change something for today and tomorrow. The gospel that comes from oppression simply means that a life is not in vain. The worst thing that could possibly happen in all of these situations in which we find, out, find ourselves in is if someone's life was lived in vain. Because we didn't think to find out what the good news is that they were trying to say with their lives. And it will be difficult. I tell you, it will be difficult. I can even say to help are those countries when their leaders are their entire whole selves, selfishly caring for self, for they are the ones that teach nations that their primary goal is to care for one another and to love one another and to feed one another. The example that we have with our despotic world and our despotic world leaders points us to the good news and the gospel that the world is not supposed to be this way. And I glory in that full knowledge. I will not be beat down by it. We cannot be beat down by it because we are too blessed. We are too blessed by the saints who have gone before, by the people who have held our hands, by the teachers, by the nurses, by the doctors, by mothers, by fathers, by sisters, by brothers, by uncles, by those who go by no gender or any assignation of that, but by those who go by their spiritual nature of companionship, knowing that we are all in one divine family and that we have the good news to survive. That's what's wrong with Twitter and Instagram and Facebook when we use it for naught. We try to think that we can cancel out everybody else's voices with our own opinions. But that's not gospel. When we cling to the gospel, <laughs> social media is so low on the totem pole because we're about good things and about good news. What happened, what would happen if we created our own Twitter handle that said, and our own social media feed that was like, nothing but gospel here. <laughs> nothing but gospel here. I'm gonna flag you because your news is not good news on how we can support and love one another. Sorry, I don't care about misinformation. What I care about is harmful information. The saints have learned through their own pain and their own suffering that moving through the sainthood means I've hurt enough people, I've been hurt enough, 
and I'm ready to rise above. If I can just help somebody. I have practically written an entire gospel here. Given us blessed are those and blessed are they. And I'm so glad we're recording this. <laughs> but what I want you to do is I want you to extract. I don't care if it's from a world situation. I don't care if it's from something that you've gone through in your life that you've learned a deep lesson from. Be it joyful. You don't got to sit here and open up your heart and say, oh, Lord, when I was 12, this happened. But they ain't got to do all that. But what is something that you may have learned from that you can share with the world that lets them know that trouble don't last always? And that because there is divine breath in us, we don't have to hold our breath in anticipation and pain. We can exhale that blessing and good news to others. I want you to take about 13 minutes and we'll come back for a closeout and just share with one another some of your own poetic testimonial wisdom and we will declare it tonight gospel because we have been taught by St. Shug Avery that we have the authority and the power to write a gospel that will change the world when it is unearthed and held close. So tell us in your breakout rooms for about 12 to 13 minutes, play with one another, play. Whew, I like, was I like wish I had my journal near me? Usually I do. I was like, I've been removing these out of my apartment all day, so I don't even no, know where my gotcha. journal is currently. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel I never understood why people like wanted those like cross stitch <laughs> pillows with like a Bible verse or like <laughs> coffee mug. And I'm like, oh, I see now. I just was it was the wrong gospels mm -hmm. that I needed on the pillow. It was I needed I needed these gospels that uh Reverend Reverend Derek was bringing today. Oh man. <laughs> mm. Oh boy. It's recorded so you can listen to it again and take notes. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's so beautiful because I, I, you know, that's the best thing too about being a teacher and a professor. Everybody thinks that you're the one giving it out, but people are so wise with their own stuff, you know? It's so gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. Hmm. I feel like I'm being bathed in something right now and I can't quite know what it is. Oh, and I love taking this off. <laughs> that was powerful when you took that off. It was like in the moment I was, yeah, yeah. Hmm. This hit me, I was just sort of like, no, I don't want it to, those are the trappings, you know? It's hmm. not hmm. it. Hmm. Yeah, what about for y'all? Like with this question that, that Derek's poise posed for us. What's good news? 
I think um, I think that uh, you have challenged me, uh, Reverend Derek, uh, just to think about because I like the way you said not trying to just be like this big positive, mm-hmm. like dismissing everything in the so we can pay attention to like positive. But I like the way you challenged of like what makes you get up and put your feet on the ground and do the work and that kind of stuff. And so um, that's, that's really good. Mm. Um, I tend to get like turned off by people who are just like, let's look at the good side and what's, I'm always <laughs> like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> um, so I think this is a good uh, challenge for me to like think about this. Um, like you said, like the world is not supposed to be this way. And I kind of want that like tattooed on my arm right here. <laughs> but I just like look at it every day and I remind myself like, no, it's not supposed to be this way. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I'm trying to think through some of like my personal mm-hmm. things that have happened in a different light. Yeah. I'm thinking more about um, like increasing my saint collection um i have lots of different ones ones that are like uh, non-traditional saints but Mm -hmm. also ones that are you know been venerated as a saint um and to look at them to say what about them speaks to me and how can i use their example in my life and in this world Mm. yeah I think within my own life and like thinking about this good news, um, I think I, 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 I've been, a lot of my artwork is kind of around this idea too, but um, about like the body being a form of prayer, like just the body itself. And, and I came to that more so from my past with an eating disorder than anything else. And um, I, I remember recently, I don't remember if it was like in a meeting or what I, I heard Nick though, share like the body is the only place we can experience God, or it's the first place we experience God. Maybe that's what it was. Um, and it, it, it was a, it was a new take on that same thing that I've been thinking yeah. about in a lot of my personal life and in my art and things. And, and I think, uh, if there's a good news of my own life, I think of at least right now, I'm sure there'll be many more to come to uh but is the body is a form of prayer um just in and of itself that existence Mm. i like that maddie that that makes me think of um i was trying to think of like something in in my life that has always been uh, around has been uh, my obsessive compulsive disorder mm-hmm. and how for so long um, it was like something that I labeled as wrong or mm-hmm. um, bad or negative and instead of looking at it as like well this is not pleasant so, and the way of me working 
and and learning through that and trying meds and doing therapy and doing these different Mm -hmm. things um you know none of that was what I really wanted to do or what I signed up for but it radically changed my life and the trajectory of what I do now Mm. um you know and so I'm really grateful for that and not in like I would still like not like to have that but (laughs) um but it's a it's an interesting thought to think about like that now is something that is a part of me that's okay Mm. and like is a part of my gospel like if you read the gospel of emily yeah then that's something that you're going to get to know about me and not looking at it as evil or bad or wrong or just you know Mm. good news good news yeah (laughs) good news i have no cd (laughs) (laughs) you know like what yeah your story Mm. yeah just the fact it's good news because it's my story yeah even that is Mm. radically different right Mm. right on facebook tracy russell says oh oops Sorry, it just refreshed in it. The good news is that we can have peace on the inside while the world may be falling apart around us. We have the power to not allow those things to consume if we focus more on our inner being and less on the chaos of the world. Blessed are those. Yeah. I think this also matches up with me because in in the work that I love in the New Testament, especially with the Gospels, and you know, being a, a revolutionary, you know, a, um, a empire critical, you realize everything that the people that Jesus was speaking with and to were up against, and that he was up against, just in this horrific empire. And we still have this good news from this time period that is resonant (laughs) 2,000 years later. (laughs) That just amazes me. Just amazes me. Because Rome was brutal. Brutal. And yet, we even find good news on being nailed to this structure on top of a hill. Wow. Maddie, do you, you might know this, a poet named Crystal Valentine? Yes, yes. I know of their, know of their work. I've never met yeah. them, though. Yeah. Um, but that just brings to mind, there's a quote in one of her uh, poems in which she says, it's a whole poem she devotes to speaking to the fact that Jesus is not white. And there's a, there's a quote in there that is, um, how can you say Jesus was white when he died in the most black man way possible? Mm-hmm. Arms, arms outstretched, killed on a cross with his mother um, mm-hmm. right beside him. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me think of how you're talking about Rome was so brutal, but also how that, you know, how applicable that is to today too. Yeah. Oof. Man, I feel like this is church tonight. 
without the R. We're in church. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> but definitely hold up that and hold the gospel of Suge Avery and tape it on your walls for a couple of days. It'll do something to you, I tell you. <laughs> I tell you. I was introduced to the color purple in college. Mm. Uh, I had, I was an English major and we read, I did a women's lit and that was the book that we first read. So that professor is definitely yeah. one of my saints, but I remember falling in love with it at that point. Wow, thank you all for that conversation and for thinking through that. I would encourage us to think that as we move forward, um, there were some very personal things that were shared um, in our group and I'm sure in your groups as well. So I'm gonna ask if you would just hold on to those. And as you go into your space of being with the divine tonight, hold that to your heart and lift that up and hold that gospel close to you so that that person who shared with you whose gospel spoke to you may be lifted up and that they will feel it because the Holy Spirit, she's a flitty little thing and she loves to go from home to home and whisper in your ear in your sleep and say, you have been heard. So I want to close this section out before we move forward just by thinking, about what a saint is. And I want to do that with a song with Donnie McClurkin. I told Maddie that I'm singing tonight because very often when you play songs, they get cut out of Facebook Live and we want to be hospitable to our guests as well. So just remember this, when you're wondering what a saint is and you're wondering by what authority may we call one another saints and by what authority may we be able to speak our gospel, hear this in your brain and know that the link is here, but know that this is the authority by which we can name saints, become saints, and speak the gospel of our lives. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up, oh yes. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. I said, we fall down, but we get up. Oh, yes, for a saint is just a sinner who fell down. But they couldn't stay there and got up. Blessed be. Blessed be. And thank you. Mm.
Can we give an uh, American Sign Language clap for Reverend Derek McQueen all the way from New York? Thank you so much. Thank um, you. I feel it all the way from Casey. Yes, yes. Um, yes, that was absolutely lovely. Thank you so much, Reverend Derek. Um, lot to think about and way to kick off our saint series um yes that was wonderful my name is um maddie parker my pronouns are she her and i am um the other resident here at the open table um so we have a few closing announcements for tonight and then we're going to be doing adding a little bit something extra we're going to be celebrating um our commissioned pastor nick Pickerel. but before i do closing announcements i believe that angela might have a little something for Nick Pick, if I am not mistaken. Hello. I know. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes, you are okay. loud and clear, Angela. All right, good. It's a little dark um, out here, but um, if Nick is listening, he should come to his front door and open it because uh -huh. I have a surprise. So I'm walking up to the house. <laughs> I think Sarah might have something too, actually. Double surprise. Double whammy. All right. <laughs> you all cannot see anything. Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> Nick. Hi. Hi. We got you. Nick's here. We got you these truffle fries. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. For fries. I love it. Hey. hey. Congratulations on your commissioning. Thank you. Um, it should be noted that I love all forms of potato but especially the truffle form of potato. Thank you so much. I know, I asked Sarah and I was like, what are your favorite kind of fries? Oh, oh, there she is. Nick, I'm on my way over, man. I'm coming. Okay, good, good, bring it on, bring it on. Oh, this is so sweet. Yeah. Thank you. You are very welcome. Thank you for everything you've done to lead the open table and congratulations. Oh. So enjoy. <laughs> Will do. Will All right. Do. Bye. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Angela, for uh, orchestrating that drop off. Um, I'll let Nick get back to um, back to his place in the house with truffle fries and uh, and other surprise and tow, and then he can maybe show us what the other gift was that um, Sarah passed off to him. Uh, Nick, do you do you have the second gift uh, that you would like to show the community? What you got? Yes. It's uh, this. Bourbon. <laughs> Bourbon. <laughs> awesome. A little something to take the edge off, you know? Nick, I'll be right over. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Doubly. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Oh, incredible. Well, we have uh, lots to celebrate with Nick tonight, and we just wanted to, um, yeah. I know you've worked super hard for, for this, Nick, and we wanted to just um, say... Thank you for all the hard work that you've put into the commissioning, to the open table, to this community. Um, we see you, we love you, and we wish we could celebrate in person, but until then, here's some truffle fries and some some whisk, some bourbon. Um, and without further ado, we are gonna move on into Nick's commissioning. So it's gonna go a little bit longer than our normal gatherings, um, but feel free to stick around and uh, as we celebrate Nick um, and all the hard work he's done to become a commissioned pastor. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Metter. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the moderator of Heartland Presbytery, which if that makes no sense to you, it's kind of like being the grand church nerd of churchiness. 
um, for the Presbyterian community in the Kansas City area, um, all the way up to the Iowa border, a couple hours either way. Um, and one of our deep privileges in the Presbyterian community of Heartland Presbytery is that we get to support um, and uplift those who are called to specific ministry. And so Nick has been ministering with the open table for years and at the same time has been doing tons of schoolwork and psych evaluations and counseling and jumping through all kinds of hoops to become what we call a commissioned pastor. And so there's several of us here um, from the Presbytery today to worship with you, including um, our interim executive presbyter, Dee Cooper, who's here, who will wave at you now so you know who she is. Hi, Dee. Um, and others who are here as well to support and celebrate Nick. Um, and so as we do that, um, I, we're just going to go through a ritual that we go through with most of our pastors. We commission and install. We commissioned Nick on the floor of Presbytery during a Presbytery meeting and are delighted to, um, again, with all of you here, um, commission and affirm his, his ministry at the open table. So if Paul Rock would open us with some scripture, we'll get rolling. Very happy to. Um, as you'll notice from uh, tonight, there is a, a theme of Matthew chapter five, Derek, thank you for that. Also, thank you, Derek, for um, helping me to put words to, um, so if you're jealous of someone, it means it's someone that you deeply admire. And I've been jealous of Nick Pickrell for about six years now, so that helps me out a little bit. Um, Matthew uh, chapter five, I'm just going to read a little bit, not quite all the first 13 uh, verses, but this is actually from a different um, version of the, the message. So uh, listen now for uh, what what the spirit of God, what she might say to you through these words. When Jesus saw his ministry was drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and he taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said. You are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God, for God's food and drink is the best meal you will ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves, you'll find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. I like that. Then I'm going to skip down to verse 13, which is this. Let me tell you, this is a good one for Nick. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how are people going to taste your godliness? And so Nick, my fellow climber, Stay salty, my friend. 
one of the beautiful parts about um, being a servant leader in the Presbyterian church is there's a set of questions we all answer, whether you're an elder, a deacon, a commission pastor. Um, we all answer a certain set of questions. We affirm things that um, we are committed to do for the church. And so Nick has answered these for the presbytery. And so Paul and I will actually ask him the last three of the nine questions um, that all Presbyterian ministers answer. And then Eric will ask him questions specific to his ministry here at the open table. And so Nick, I would invite you to state your commitment and your purpose by answering the following questions. Will you in your own life seek to follow Jesus Christ, love your neighbor and work for the reconciliation of the world? Yes. And Nick, will you pray for and seek to serve the people that you're surrounded with, with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love, will you? I will. And Nick, will you be a faithful commission pastor in this commission, serving the people and proclaiming the good news, teaching faith and caring for these people? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? I will. Uh, it's really an honor to be here, um, and this weekend's been full of this wonderful kind of stuff for me. I spent uh, the last couple of days with 150 Catholic workers on Zoom, which is a little strange, frankly, for Catholic workers, but we heard Rob Ellsberg speak. Um, he's the one who edited all of Dorothy Day's uh, diaries, journals. If, if you don't know who Dorothy Day is, she founded the Catholic Worker Movement, and she's a great... Uh, one of the spiritual mothers in my life, one of the saints in my life. Um, and he made this interesting comment that made me think of tonight right away, Nick. Uh, he said that she always, Dorothy always envisioned the Catholic worker to be a school where people might find their vocation. And it's not the, it's not the end all be all for everyone, but it might be that school where people will, where people thrive and where people um, kind of find the vision that God has for them that gospel, find their gospel narrative, right? Um, and it seems to me that that's a good definition of any ministry, that it's a place where it helps other people find their vocation, even if it means, and in many times it means them moving on to their vocation uh, to start something or be something. And I know you experienced that at Youth Front. I know that, hope you got some of that at Cherith Brook and at Second Prez. And now the open table will be that for other people, that kind of place. If it's to be true to who it's called to be, to be that kind of place where people will find their vocation. Um, and I, that's kind of what I hear in these set of questions that I get the opportunity to ask you is um, not only you, it represent, they represent really the, the, the vocational questions that you've embraced, the calling that God has placed uniquely on your life, that is a real gift to us in this city, in our church, uh, in the Catholic worker movement, in the anti-racism movement, uh, just uh, in the human movement, really. Um, but also, it'll be that you'll be creating that space where you can help other people find that vocation because you've been so committed to this vocation. So... Um, Having said that, Nick, will you strive to show up as your full self, willing to receive criticism, 
staying at the table as the open table community visions together how to be an actively anti-racist church in Kansas City. I will. Nick, will you remain committed to drawing the circle ever wider as Jesus modeled, looking for those who don't have a place at the table and offering a deep and radical welcome? I will. Nick, my friend, will you remain committed to the full inclusion of the queer community in the church, seeking to make space for queer voices in the leadership at all levels? I will. And do you promise to remember that there is no arrival in both our spiritual journey and justice work? Will you be committed to the journey as the goal and not the destination? And in Dorothy Day's words, will you follow your life on pilgrimage? Mm, I will. My name is Abhishek, and my pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm a good, good friend of Nick's, a member of the Open Table, a member of Open Table Leadership Team and the Anti-Racism Cohort. And Nick has bestowed me with the honor of leading us all in a time of prayer and laying of hands. And it's really easy to feel um, so disembodied and disconnected in a virtual space like this. And so I'm just going to invite you all to um, some intentional time of being embodied by starting, since we're laying our hands on Nick virtually, start rubbing your hands together. Just generate some heat. Come into your breath. Notice the sensations of your fingertips. Maybe you can start rubbing the backs of your hands. And as you're doing this, think of, hold your intention for Nick as a commissioned pastor. Hold your intention for the open table community and your intention for yourself here, even if this is your first time joining us as a visitor, as someone participating in the commissioning, um, or as a longtime member of the Open Table celebrating its 150th gathering. You can stop rubbing your hands now and just slowly allow them to separate and feel the energy between your hands. Bring them back a little bit close so that fingertips are barely touching. And now I invite you to reach your hands out towards Nick, towards each other. And join me in sharing the energy that you've created with your hands, with Nick, 
and with one another. Nick, it is my prayer that you will live into your role as commission pastor with humility and strength and an ever-growing awareness of your connectedness with all. May you lead by example, practicing groundedness in your body and finding power in your voice, using your voice to empower and your limbs to leverage the strength to hold steadfast to your values of justice, equity, and anti-racism. May your work be transformed by continued healing from the oppression that disembodies and separates you from beloved community as a cisgendered, hetero, white, male-identifying person. In systems that center whiteness, may you have the discernment and humility to know when to step out of the way and make space to listen and to share power. May your integration of self provide you the stamina to always engage discom discomfort in the process of relationship over the ease and satisfaction of results. And may you practice rest that connects you with the creation rooting every aspect of your service and being in the love of the divine. Amen. My name is Wendy Brockhouse. I am the former curator at the Open Table. Um, my pronouns are she, hers. And I am here to give the charge to Nick, which I was disappointed to find out that it did not include me taking his credit card and buying things for myself or running at him and yelling charge, which I may still do later. Uh, but I would like to say a few words to you, Nick. <laughs> and here they are. Um, for those of you who are newish to the open table, um, seven years ago, uh, there was a gleam in the eye of Second Presbyterian Church and the Holy Spirit uh, of starting a new worshiping community. And uh, six years ago, Nick was hired to help facilitate said community. Five years ago, a small group of people began meeting in a hall on the lower level of Second Presbyterian Church. It was small. It was about 12 disciples. And that number has quadrupled about um, and tonight we're here celebrating the fifth birthday and 150th gathering of Open Table KC. Um, so Nick, I'm grateful for all the ways that you've shepherded this community throughout that time. Um, seems like people are interested in coming to the table when peace, love, and justice are being served. And you've been a force for that. So here's my charge you. I charge you to continue inner transformation and nonviolence within your heart to rest. 
to contemplate and to be your fullest self. I charge you to dream of ways this community can embody love in ways that don't exist yet and to continue building even when you don't have a model to go by. I charge you to consider to, to consider I charge you to continue to pursue justice, even when it is unpopular and impacts your status. To organize even it, when it might be uncomfortable. And I charge you to continue to listen to the still small voice of the spirit um, as you go forward from here, which does involve you also being still on occasion. <laughs> um, so may God grant you peace on this journey. Thank you. Wendy, thank you so much. Casey, open table, you hear the fire trucks of New York City. You will probably hear the fact that the hallway is the playground for the children on my floor. This means that I live in community. You live in community. And the thing about community that I love is that even though we look to our leaders to guide us, to speak to us and to inspire us. It is our responsibility to do the same. It is our responsibility to guide our leaders, to hold them, to say the hard words to them that they need to hear, like be still and know. <laughs> and it is up to us that when the table is set, and the years go by that we tell and we show by example to our leaders, get up and make your own plate. It is very easy in leading community to be taken care of and to fall into a pattern of being taken care of and to fall into a pattern of caring for, which yields, who does it better? Who's closer in community and who's further apart? I charge you not to fall into that situation for that is how the order of church and religion and denominations structure themselves and become quiet in the lives and in the hearts of the communities in which they reside. You are a powerful force as a community. I charge you to own that. I charge you to own that you come to the table, not just to gather, but you come to the table to be a witness of what it means to gather. I charge you to inspire by your sense of community and your sense of belonging where you are, your belonging invitation to everyone else. I charge you with inspiring by belonging the person we are here celebrating this evening. 
for it is only through your inspiration that Nick, he, him, his, will be able to find the energy to go on another day. And I also charge you with this. I charge you to buy a bag of split peas that are dried or black eyed peas or black beans or whatever. And I charge you one night to place those beans underneath your bottom at one of your open tables so that you know that while you are sitting in community, it is not a place to be comfortable. It is a place that makes you squirm, that makes you think what is making me so uncomfortable. And I charge you to say, let us get up from this. We have sat in community, we have been uncomfortable, but now it is time for us to move forward. My brother Nick is dear to my heart, but you as the community charge your leader with what it is that you care about in the world and his strength will be tested by helping you as a community realize what ministry you have. So I charge you to be full partners in ministry. Full, complete partners in ministry. For you are called and he is ordained and you too are ordained by the Holy Spirit. I charge you with this, with care, with love, and with great anticipation for what will come. Ashe and Amen. Okay, thank you all so much. I'm feeling the love pretty heavily over here. Um, yeah, I, I'm just incredibly grateful uh, for all of you being co-laborers uh, in this work towards integrating love and justice. Um, and I think it's a very fitting night that the commissioning happens as we are talking about saints and talking about um, adding, adding on our own gospel. Um, so as, as a benediction to close us out for the night, um, I've adapted a benediction both from the gospel according to Suge and Matthew 5, the, the Beatitudes. And while I read these aloud, um, they're going to say, helped are those. Um, I invite you all, since in our breakout rooms earlier, we had the chance to uh, talk about our own gospel that we would add to the mix. So as I read these aloud, uh, I invite you just to add your own in the chat. So this is more of an interactive benediction. <clears throat> Helped are those who are content to be themselves. They will never lack mystery in their lives and the joys of self-discovery will be constant. Helped are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Helped are those who receive only to give 
Always in their house will be the circular energy of generosity. And in their hearts, a beginning of new age on earth, when no keys will be needed to unlock the heart and no locks will be needed on the doors. Helped are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Helped are those who love the stranger. In this, they reflect the heart of the creator and that of the mother. Helped are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Helped are those who love the entire cosmos rather than their own tiny country, city, or farm. For to them will be shown the unbroken web of life and the meeting of infinity. Helped are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Helped are those who create anything at all, for they shall relive the thrill of their own conception and realize a partnership in the creation of the universe that keeps them responsible and cheerful. Helped are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Helped are those who love the lesbian, the gay, and the straight, and all the colors of the human beings. None of their children, nor any of their ancestors, nor any parts of themselves shall be hidden from them. Helped are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Helped are those who risk themselves for others' sakes. To them will be given increasing opportunities for ever greater risks. Theirs will be a vision of the world in which no one's gift is despised or lost. Helped are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Helped are those who lose their fear of death. Theirs is the power to envision the future in a blade of grass. Helped are those who know. As we go into the world, may we remember that we are helped as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus our liberation bound up together. May God give you peace and strength for the coming week. Amen.